All right. Well, good morning again, everyone. Good morning. We have sun in January. Hallelujah. Uh, this is a sign to some of you who've been struggling. Lord, I can't. I can't live here. It's too gray in the summer. Little sword says, I got you. Uh, you can stay. Now, not to keep you if you know the Lord's leading you somewhere else and you know he's spoken, you need to follow his lead. But if you're struggling in your soul today, Jesus knows your needs. I'm, I'm joking, but I'm serious because I'm that guy. I have, a, I have a phototherapy light at my house that is on in the winter. Um, so these sunny days have been everything. And I was really, literally was driving to church this morning going, this is a sign for somebody. This is a sign. So I just had to, had to call it out. It's so good to see you all this morning. We're going to get into the Word of God. Uh, yes and amen. You all are hungry, hungry for the Word. Good. Um, you can go ahead if you have a Bible or a device and open up to Luke chapter 4. This is where we're going to be today. Um, and as Marvin did mention, and hopefully you know if you're regularly a part of the Spirit of Christ Church family, we are in 504. What's 504? 504 is our annual, every January we take 21 days to seek the Lord with a special season of fasting and prayer. We call it 504 because there are 504 hours in those 24, 21 days, and it's a reminder to me, at least, to make the most of the season. Not just get through it, but make the most of it, even hour by hour, to, to remind myself this 21 days is to engage in the Lord in a special way. Whatever that looks like for you, to set aside certain foods, certain entertainments, whatever it is. And so we are at about hour 167, anyone who's counting, uh, here rounding out our first week. Um, now, if you haven't been able to participate in that in some way, shape, or form, you're fine. You're still a part of the family. God's still with you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to lead you. He's going to pour into your life in this season, I promise. Um, on a practical note, um, throughout this season, I do send out um, some specific devotional emails and videos and stuff. And if you're not on our email list, just make sure to get on there or you can subscribe to the Spirit of Christ Church YouTube page. Um, a couple times a week those go out just so we can continue and encourage one another on this journey together. I think they're pretty good. So uh, <laughs> uh, if you don't agree, that's fine. I just wanted you to know they're there. Uh, <laughs> our theme as we begin the year, 4 or 504, but I think going beyond it is empowered. And uh, really following uh, the cue of the journey of Jesus in Luke chapter 4, that was the inspiration uh, for that, that thematic, and that's why we're going to look at it today. And if you don't know the story there, we're going to read it. Um, but where Jesus uh, was led by God into a wilderness where he ate nothing, so he fasted for 40 days. He ate nothing, and he was alone. My, my. That sounds terrible. <laughs> and God sent him there. And also in that time, he was tested. Tested by the devil himself. But at the end, do you know what it says? When he came out of that season, it says he came out in the power of the Spirit. He was empowered by that very seemingly disempowering season of time. 
Because though he might have thought he was alone, he was not alone. God was with him, and he's with us. So I want to ask you all a question. How many of you would like to walk in greater power, would like to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in a greater measure than you currently are? Amen. All right? Of course you would, right? I would hope. Here's, I have another question. How many of you believe that God wants you to walk in greater power than you currently are seeing? Okay, then I want to tell you something that you may not like to hear. The wilderness seasons are necessary. Seasons of fasting can be necessary. If we want to walk in the power of the Spirit, we need to walk like Jesus and let the Spirit lead us into seasons of wilderness. Now, the reason we don't like that is because um, many times we think of the wilderness, we think of wildernesses as punishments. We remember how God had the Israelites wandering in the wilderness for, for 40 years before they could enter his promises when they were really being disciplined. They're being disciplined for their, their unbelief, their lack of faith. And for them, it was a punishment. It was a discipline. It was so that they could become the people they needed to be so they could walk in what they were meant to walk in. They could walk in the great promises God had for them. They weren't ready for them. And so there are two different ways that we can enter into a wilderness season. is either by our disbelief and doubt. God's unable to work in our life until he puts us through a time that disciplines our souls back into faith and obedience. Or there are times where we enter into a wilderness because God wants to empower us in a greater way. That's not a punishment. It's called walking with God. Is this making sense so far? And yes, there are times and seasons of testing in our lives, and that God will even bring us to places where our faith, our trust, our hope are tested. But I want to tell you, it's, it's for God's purpose. And, and the point I want to begin with is that if we want to walk in the power of the Spirit, we need wilderness seasons. Because what happens in those seasons is our foundations are tested. But what we think when we're tested, that it's, we, we should be afraid. We get this idea of when God, God is testing us that, that it's an accusation against us. But it's not. Let me, let me put it to you this way. If and I'm going to talk about some of these things that I don't actually know a whole lot about. So, Tom, you may correct me. But I know that when you get in a plane before you take off, you do a pre-flight check. Why? So you know everything's working right before you take off. Is that right? Is that how it works? So that pre-flight check is not because you think something's wrong with the plane. It's because you want to make sure everything is right so that when you're in the air, you don't fall out of the air. Is this okay? Are you with me so far? So you test it to prove its worthiness to take the journey. Make sense? That's not scary. That's nothing to be afraid of. That's necessary. Are you with me so far? So it's, it's a validation that you're ready. And so to, when God brings us to times and places where we're being tested, it's to assure us or to bring us to a place where we're ready. 
for the empowering that's coming. They're ready for the journey he has ahead. Imagine you're going to climb a mountain. Again, I, I have never climbed, climbed a mountain. But from what I think I know is they, they tie one another up with these ropes, right? And so before you go up, you check your equipment, the, the carabiners or whatever they're called, to make sure they're tight, they're locked, they're functioning. Why? Because you don't want to fall off the mountain once you start getting up the mountain. So to test those things is the right thing. It's not an accusation. It's not doubt. They gave me faulty equipment. It's I need to know that I'm prepared so I can make the journey up the mountain. And you know what? Everyone wants to make it to the mountaintop. Everyone wants to be on the mountaintop. And on a very practical note, I think of it this way. There are times in, you know, when you're going to go on a long journey. We just went on a long road trip over winter break. You get the car checked. You get it tuned up. You get the oil changed. Why? Because you don't want the car to die. Okay? So let's remove from our mindset that when we're being tested, when God leads us into seasons that challenge us, that we're being punished or that we're being disciplined, we're not. We're being reassured, we're being validated, we're being secured for the journey ahead and so that we can be, and look, if you're truly built on a firm foundation in Jesus, you have nothing to fear when the testing comes. And maybe you think you are, and maybe you think you are. Well, the testing will show you. And then if you're not fully built on the firm foundation in all the ways God wants you to be, don't you want to know it before you hit the crisis, before you hit the pressure? Yes, you do. I expected a bigger agreement. I want to know. If my foundation is not set, I don't want to build on it. And if it's not set, I want to know. I don't want to move forward thinking, oh, it looks all right. I feel all right. It's good. And then get down the road and regret that I didn't let it get tested. We need the wilderness. So a fasting season becomes for us many times. And even if you're not fasting, I tell you, God will lead you into wilderness seasons where you will be tested. Praise God. Thank God for the tune-up for the check, for the affirmation, for the validation. This, so this month may be your test. Somewhere down this year may be a test. Maybe the Lord's preparing us for a testing and trying year and alerting us. So let the Lord, during this season, solidify in us, solidify in you who you are in him and whose you are so that when life comes at you, when challenges come at you, when the devil comes at you, you're ready. You know who you are. You know whose you are. You've been rooted. You've been grounded. You've been tested. You've been tried. You know that thing is secure. You know you're ready to walk forward. Because when you know you are, no weapon formed against you has the ability to prosper. Amen? Let's pray as we jump into the word. Father, we thank you that you're a good father, that you call us sons and daughters that your great love has made it possible for us to be called children of God. And we thank you that you as a good father lead us so well. You lead us into life everlasting. You root us, you ground us, 
You strengthen us, and then you empower us. Lord, I ask that you would do that today. I ask that you do that in this season. Lord, I ask as we read your word today, that you would root us in our identity as sons and daughters of God. And you'd empower us with the Holy Spirit and give us revelation of your heart. If you agree, say amen. All right, we're going to read in Luke chapter 1 what I've already completely alluded to. Um, this whole passage of Jesus' temptation. Now, for um, context, what happened just before this, well, two chapters before was Jesus came, you know, birth, Christmas. So we're right in line with the story, according to Luke. Um, but Luke chapter 3, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, came up out of the water, and the voice of God thundered out loud for everyone to hear, This is my son. I'm pleased with him. Listen to him. Talk about a glorious moment. I mean, the whole world is seeing, knowing, hearing. Jesus is in the middle of one of his most glorious earthly moments where the Father declares his pleasure over him for all to hear. And right on the heels of that moment, God sends him into this season. Let's read it. Jesus Full of the Holy Spirit, verse 1, Luke chapter 4, left the Jordan where he was baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. Go figure. The devil said to him, verse 3, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Verse 5, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, verse 6, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Verse 9, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, that you will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 13, I'm going to wrap up here on verse 13 and 14. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. He came in full of the Holy Spirit. He left in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just as I was telling you. And news about him spread throughout the whole world countryside. All right, we'll stop there. Hold on just a sec. So, there are times when the Spirit of God will lead us, lead you, lead me into a wilderness. When the Spirit of God led Jesus into this season, into the wilderness where he ate nothing for 40 days. He was alone and he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. Was he being punished? No. 
He was not being punished. What kind of toxic relationship would that be? When the father declares, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And now we're going to go in the back room for a whooping. He was not being punished. This was right in the, the leadership of the father to do this. What do these wilderness moments do for us? They reaffirm who we are, our identity in God, and they call us to remember who we belong to. And you know what? Even in the wake of that glorious declaration, Jesus needed that moment. Why? Because Jesus, in his life uh, on planet Earth in this season, was not coming in like some divine superhero wearing a cape going to come make all the wrong things right. There was, there was no big uh, Super J, Super Jesus on his chest. It's because he was human in this season. And as a human, it was essential, like it is for us, for his soul to be tested. It's an integral part of our human experience in God. We've been given the greatest gift in the universe. Do you know what it is? Free will. We have the ability in every moment of every day with our heart and with our mind to choose right or choose wrong. We've been given the ability to serve self or serve God. We've been given the ability to choose love or not love. Why? Because we've been made just like the image of God who loves us freely of his own will. And we have the ability to choose to love God freely of our own will so that we can love him the way he loves us. Look, if we didn't have a choice, would our love for him really be true? If we're just robots designed to love God no matter what, it would be forced. It wouldn't be genuine. It wouldn't be voluntary. Our greatest human gift is our free will because it allows us to love him because we want to. To serve him because we want to. So we will all be tempted in many ways. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. Jesus' life, again, here wasn't to be superhuman. It was to be to live a human life, to live a distinctly human life so that he could be a distinctly human Savior. If he didn't live a human life, he wouldn't have the power to redeem you. He had to be tempted in every way just as we are, and live in the form just as we are so that we could be redeemed. But beyond that, his life was, was not just to be a savior, but to model the way. And so in this instance, he's showing us the way we get to walk through seasons of temptation, the way we get to walk in our identity with God as he walked in his identity in God. In all the other instances of his life, it was the same. When he was healing the sick, he was giving us the new model of the kingdom of God when the Spirit's dwelling on the inside, that we would get to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. 
We would get to see those who are oppressed set free. He was not just waving the Messiah card that was a part of his ministry. He was ushering in a new era, a new way kingdom of life that is now our template for life. So those moments of glory and grandeur are part of the template, and the moments in the wilderness are part of the template. Is this making sense? So he's showing you and me how to respond when our souls are tempted. When our souls are tested, how do we stay strong in the midst of trial, in the midst of temptation? How do we follow the leadership of the Spirit and come out empowered by the Holy Spirit? We need these seasons. You know, in the natural, when I step back and think of this story, I think, you know, like, how much would I have felt? I want to say, how did Jesus feel? Like, I'm not going to do that. If I were Jesus, <laughs> I would be thinking, God himself just spoke audibly about me to the masses. This is the moment. We've got to maximize the moments. Let's organize the, the PR campaign. Let's get out there. Let's do the work. You know, in the natural, if we're trying to naturally navigate how to do Jesus' ministry, it'd be press the gas, not go into hiding for 40 days. <laughs> right? The ways of God are so much different. But there had to be a question even in his human mind. Like, Lord, why? What? What are we doing? You know, like, you just declared to tell everyone to listen to me, and then you took me out the game. Well, what, what are we doing? You know, we would think he's going he's gonna to lose all of his cultural momentum, you know, by being absent, you know, but God knew that, that like us, we need our souls tested. He needed to walk through. He needed to receive an even greater empowering than he had received a great affirmation. And that empowering came from those 40 days. We, we should embrace seasons like 504 where we are drawing away and allowing the Lord to, to press on places in us to make sure we're, we're solidly planted, firmly rooted and grounded, where he's asking the questions of us that we don't normally hear him asking. We have space and time to hear from him in ways that we wouldn't normally have because in our estimation, when we sense the affirmation of God, well, it's time to go. Let's do more. It's a new year. Let's make some plans. Let's blow the trumpets. Let's get it out there. Let's do our thing. But the Holy Spirit would say, the best way to start your new year is to back up. Be with me. Draw away and let me bring you in a wilderness season of fasting. Because we, plan, we can plan another program. You know, we can get another great idea as much as we want. And good things could happen and put our effort into that. But... If we allow the Lord to strengthen us supernaturally, we'll see a fruitfulness from him that's greater than we could produce on our own. If we allow him to uh, test our foundations, we'll have a confidence in our identity so that when the devil comes to attack us in the midst of the glorious moments, we will not be shaken. We won't be the next story of the one who fell. We have enough of those stories. We think, you know, if we do more, we're going to win more for the kingdom. That's not always the way for the kingdom of God. 
So we see Jesus tempted in three distinct ways. And I think these cover most high-level categories of, of how we all are tempted in our life. He was tempted in the area of, I would say, to make a nice alliteration, provision, power, and protection, or self preservation. And as humans, I believe these are three areas we are tempted very often to rely on ourself instead of God for our provision, for power, meaning influence, when I say power, and and protection, self-preservation, or the devil really was trying to make Jesus prove something about God. And the devil's so sneaky about the way, I mean, that's, that's what he does, right? He's a deceiver. And he comes at Jesus saying, if you're really the son of God, right? He starts right there. God said, you're his son. Let's go with that, you know? And starts to jab at him. But the funny thing about it is the devil overplays his hands with the Son of God because the one who knows what it means, the Son of God, is not tempted by these temptations. Jesus, you're hungry. You haven't eaten. If you are really the Son of God, turn this stone into a bread. And he says, man does not live on bread alone. What's he doing there? Because in one level, you're like, well, yeah, I guess he could. You know, if you wanted to, he's Jesus. He's the son of God. But the devil says, you need to make this happen for yourself, Jesus. Obviously, the father's not giving you food right now. You got to make this happen for yourself. You can do it, right? You got power. You know, you got favor in heaven. I know you're hungry. I know you're the son of God. Turn this, this rock into bread. Why is that a tricky thing? Why does that, how does that happen to us? How many times when we run into a problem of provision where it seems like there's not enough, not enough in, in the bank account, not enough in our opportunities, not enough in our friendship circle, we're like, well, I better, I better do something about this. I'm going to make this better. What are we saying? I don't believe God, the Father, is going to provide for me as a son. What, what mentality is that? That's an orphan mentality. That's what orphans do. When there's not enough, they go make it happen for themselves. When no one else is going to take care of me, I'm going to take care of myself. And the devil was tempting Jesus to act like an orphan. If you're the son of God, let's reinterpret it. Why don't you act like an orphan right now? That's what he was saying. Jesus saw straight through it. Nah. My Father in heaven provides for me. And if he doesn't give me bread, that's not what I have to live on. I have the word of God as my food. It's what the scripture says. Is this making sense to you? And instead of trusting in ourself in the moments where provision isn't there, being tempted to make it happen on our own, what should we do? Understand our identity as sons and daughters of God with a good father. If I have need, I know where to go, and it's not here, it's there. If I'm in need of provision, I look to my father because I'm a son, not an orphan anymore. 
He was tempted in the area of provision. He was tempted in the area of power. Hey, Jesus, look, I've been given all these kingdoms. I can give them to you. Just bow down and worship me. And you think, well, I'm not looking to try to get people to bow down to me. That's not a temptation to me. But I think what is a temptation many times is many times we feel powerless in our circumstance. We feel like, I wish this would change. I wish this were different. I wish this were better. I wish I had more influence in this situation. Maybe if I compromise a little here or there to get a little favor with some other people or compromise a little bit here just so that, you know, whether it's, you know, like, you know, here or there on my taxes or on this paperwork, I just kind of tell half the truth. And, you know, we're tempted all the time to compromise so that more power, favor, and influence comes to us, so that more of what we think we need will come our way. And really to be okay, God understands it's a compromise. It's a seeking to make it happen on my own, in my own power. It's a bowing down to other gods as if I don't have a good father in heaven who knows what I need before I ask and then tells me to do what? Ask him. I'm in a hard place. I don't see a solution but this looks like it might help. Like if I just, you know, cut the corner here, if I just kind of don't say this instead of that, maybe, maybe I'll, it'll get me what I need. Instead, Father, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. You can get me this way better, way easier. I do not want to bow down to any other. I don't want to surrender myself to any other to get more power than I have right now. Is this making sense to you? This temptation comes to us all the time. The word of God says, though, when we bow ourselves before God, he will lift us up. He will do the lifting. And then the final one, and some of you think I'm missing the main point. I'm not. I think there are a lot of ways we see the scripture, know this story, have heard about the power of it, and there's a lot to be said here. The last one was like, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off this cliff. You know, the word of God says, wait, the devil quotes the Bible? He sure does. <laughs> he sure does. You, the Bible says, you won't strike your foot on a stone. Angels will carry you. God said it. Ooh, when the devil gets tricky with the word of God, that's a dangerous place to be. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you needed to somehow prove that God was who he said he was? Or you somehow needed to prove that he was powerful, that he was good, that he would come through, or maybe on the other side, that we need to Defend and protect his reputation. Here's the thing. And we'll be tempted this way. I'm sure you all have. I have. God doesn't need to be proven by us. He is who he says he is. He always will be. And he's not worried about it. He's not nervous about 
trying to make sure everyone believes he, he's, not, he's not insecure in his godness. And we, uh, he also, God doesn't put on parlor tricks. He's not your dog and pony show. Mm-mm. That's how we don't test him. But we, he always is who he says he is, and he doesn't need us to be his reputation brokers. That's freeing, okay? Because look, you know, we fear like if this happens or that doesn't happen, it's going to look bad on God. I mean, if God was really worried about his reputation that much, I just don't think he would have put the kingdom in you and me. I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he chose weak, broken vessels, jars of clay, and said, no, 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 no. I know they, they don't look that great on the, the outside, but I'm going to put some glorious on the inside. So those are willing to take a peek in, we'll see the glory that I put in him. So we will be tempted sometimes to put God to the test, to, to compromise, you know, because we think it's going to look bad on God. How about you be faithful? That's one of the greatest testimonies you can give. <laughs> you walk in humility. That's one of the greatest provens of God in your life in this earth, because not many people do. And how about you let God be God? You don't have to prove him. You don't have to protect his relationship. If you needed to protect his, I'm sorry, you don't have to protect his reputation. If you had to protect his reputation, he wouldn't be much of a God anyways. The ultimate test here was about identity. Ours and God's. Is he really your good father? Will he really provide what you need? Do you really believe you're his son? Can you really trust him for provision? Can you really trust him for favor? Can you really believe that he'll be that who he said he is? And the answer is yes. And the, the beauty of the story is that Jesus, as a human like us, in this moment of the wilderness, alone, in the silence, fasted, weak, no food for 40 days, my goodness, in, when he is stripped of all natural strength, becomes stronger in God by trusting him. And, and this is one you, you're all waiting for because you've heard the sermon before, standing on the word of God. Standing on the word of God. That is our powerful weapon. But it can't just be about knowing the words. The devil knows the words. You got to know the one who is the word. That's why I didn't go right there. Speak the word. Know the word. Memorize the word. That's all great. But know the word. Okay? So you can quote Bible verses all day and still get beat up by the devil. Because he'll quote them right back at you. If you're not really grounded in the fact that your father is your father. You're his son. And when you know him, you know his nature, and you won't misuse the word of God. It's sad 
how many people and movements have misused the word of God because they didn't know the nature of the one who wrote it. They didn't walk in fellowship and friendship with a father. They twisted it for their own purposes. And the only battle they were winning, unfortunately, was for the kingdom of darkness. Let's know him in his word. When we open up the word, let's have a conversation with God. Let's let him inscribe it on our hearts. Let's let him teach us not just his word, but his ways. Jesus knew how to use the word as a weapon because he was in right relationship with his father. So let's review the story, and I'm going to give you four things, and we'll be done. So the father declared his identity over Jesus. The Spirit leads Jesus into this wilderness for 40 days, and it's interesting to me, and I mentioned this last week, that we don't know much else about the 40 days other than he didn't eat and he was tempted by the devil. That's a long 40 days. And I have to imagine there was actually a lot of silence, a lot of hunger, a lot of just being there in the moment. And for those of you that are fasting in one shape, way, shape, or form during this season, I want to encourage you, there may be a lot of silence. There may be a little hungry, a little desire to go back to life as usual. Endure the moment and be there because you're not alone. Sometimes there are things happening in what seems like the silence that's actually the Father forming and shaping us. That we don't see, we don't hear, we don't get the thundering word from heaven. You're just there with him, but something's going on that's deeper than the eyes can see. Let it happen. Be there in the moment. Don't give up in faith. Don't worry. Don't, don't jump into orphan. God's not with me. I don't hear anything. Oh, he's with you. He's for you. He didn't change. Let the Spirit continue to lead you. Let him continue to test your foundations. Press on you in the places you need to be pressed and then form you in the places that you're weak. And then, take, and then get into that word of God, in conversation with God, so that you learn how to use it in faith, not fear, not pride. But you learn to use the word of God in faith so that when you come out of the testing, you have confidence to speak the word out loud because you understand the nature and the heart of the one who wrote the words. Here's the four things. I already said this one pretty strong, but one, study and know the scriptures. But don't just know the words. Know the nature and heart of the one who is that word. Study to know him. Have a conversation to know him. Let them not just be knowledge in your head, but a part of the fabric of your being. Make that your life pursuit. Two, don't run from the test. Don't run from the wilderness. Lean into the fact that God is with you in the testing. And if you don't know the answers, it's always open book. <laughs> Honestly, 
If there are areas of your life you feel weak in, unsure in, you have questions in, go find out what the Bible actually says. Don't just go on what you've heard all your life, what your Sunday school teacher said, what the pastor said. Open up the Bible and look at it. You can even, with the help of the Holy Spirit, use Google. I use Google a lot to help me find the scriptures I need. It's okay. Get in, dig in, and then find knowledgeable, Jesus-loving people who've studied that thing and read their stuff too. Until you're fully rooted, grounded, and secure in that area that you had question marks. Again, not just head knowledge. Well, I heard the sermon. I read the doctrinal statement. I went through the catechism. I know what it's supposed to mean, but actually in the depth of my being, I'm not rooted there. If somebody pressed on there, I would crack. I'm not actually sure what all the Bible says or what God means in that area. Go after it intentionally. Lean into it. Don't be like, well, I hope one day I'll find out. I'll wait until God. No, if you have a question mark, if you think there's a weak spot, go after it. What does the Bible actually say about different ethnicities, racial tensions, women in the church, sexual politics? You know it's all in there. We don't talk about it enough, but it's all in there. Go on a journey in 2023 to know the heart of God, to know the word of God in these matters. So you have an answer that isn't a, an echo from somebody else, but from the heart of God within you. You have an answer when the devil comes at you with his lies and, and tempts you to act like orphans, which is what the rest of the world does in crisis and conflict. Lean in. Lean in, lean in. Three, don't fear the silence. Sometimes when it feels silent, I was like, I don't feel God. I don't hear God. We think he's gone far away, and he's not speaking to me. Oh, no. God's mad at me. He's not mad, and he's not gone. He's there with you. This is your opportunity to remind yourself of what you already know. God is good. He's my father. God is with me. He's always for me. He's not against me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Rehearse. Remind yourself. I don't lean on my own understanding. I follow him. He's in that silence helping you remember. He's in that silence helping you to solidify your identity. I know who I am as a son of God. I know who my God is. He's my father. We need the silent moments to strengthen us. Don't fear it. Don't think God's mad at you. Use that opportunity to rehearse what he's already given you because then it goes deeper. It goes deeper. It goes another level down. And finally, I already said this, know who you are in God and your identity, who you are to him. Know from the word. In other words, read the word looking for it. What does the Bible say? I don't know where to start. Ephesians. There's a little clue phone on that one. It's got about 85 statements about who we are in God. In Christ I am statements. Know from the word what it says. Know also from your history in God. What has he spoken over your life? What kind of been the prophetic words of your life? 
Super simple. Take those two and write them down. This is what the Word of God says about who I am. Put it in your journal. Put it in your phone. Put it on your desktop. Put it on your mirror. And this is what he's spoken over my life. These are prophetic words that keep coming back. I haven't seen him yet, but I know he's, I'm pretty sure he said, write it down. And then the final step to walking and knowing who you are in God and who he is to you, who you are to him, say it. Pray it. Declare it to yourself. Declare it back to him. And when you're in conversation with people, tell them too. Tell them who they are in God and tell them what God has said to you. Because it will encourage them as well. You've got to put it in your mouth. Here's where I start. Right where the Father started with Jesus. What did he say? This is my son. I'm pleased with him. Who am I? I am God's beloved son. He is pleased with me. You can take that one. It's in the Bible. How great the Father's love for you. You've been called a child of God. Because some of you are like, well, I'm not Jesus, but you're a child of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. First John says it. How great the Father's love that we, you and me, are called sons and daughters too. So I put my name in there. I'm a son of God. He's pleased with me. Start there. That will root your identity. That will change the way you think about life. That will change the way you walk this walk. So as we wrap up, Justin, when you're ready, if you want to come up. Some of you are already maybe in a time of testing. All of us who are choosing in this season to seek God in a unique way are, are in a kind of wilderness. You know, but If you're in a kind of wilderness because of your stubbornness or unbelief, I said at the top there are two ways to get in a wilderness. There's one that way. <laughs> you don't have to stay there. The way out is really easy. Repent, turn back, change your mind. Realign your heart with God, get in agreement with it, God, your wilderness will be over. But if you're in a wilderness led by God, lean in. Let him solidify, strengthen you so you come out empowered. We all, and maybe we're going to face more this year. Maybe the Lord's preparing us. I'm sure he is. We will face times of testing, especially if we have a desire, as many of you did. Strangely, not everyone raised their hand. When I asked if you wanted to be empowered by the Spirit of God, that's okay. You raised your hand in your heart. I feel it. Um, if we want to walk in, in greater measures of the power of God in and through our lives, then we need these seasons. We need to welcome them. We need to let him have him way in us. And the answer, though, is not going to be do more, work, work harder. I believe the call in, in this season and in those seasons this is actually a word the Lord kind of gave me at the beginning of this year, is um, that it's actually a call to just a deeper surrender, a deeper letting go. Surrender to the things you know God has said and called you to. Take account of the cost. Take up the cross of his calling on your life and surrender again. Surrender deeper. Let's stand up and respond to the word of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you loved us so much. That you give all that was needed, even your own son, to make us your sons. 
to make us your daughters. What great love you have lavished upon us that we are now called children of God. Thank you for this great love you have for us. Thank you for calling us into relationship with you. Thank you for placing your Holy Spirit in us. And thank you for leading us into life eternal. Thank you for the Holy Spirit resident on the inside of every believer in this room. Lord, I ask that you would have your way in each and every one of us. In this season and in the year ahead. God, that you would fully empower us to walk in power that you've ordained for us in ways that we have not seen before. Lord, I know you want that for us more than we want it for ourselves. And so, Lord, we say yes. And we let go of our ability. We let go of our strength. We surrender our desire to make it happen on our own. And we bow our hearts before you. Lead us, Father, by your Spirit. Lead us by your Spirit into places of deeper surrender this year. Lead us by your Spirit into places of greater devotion this year. Lead us by your Spirit into the knowledge of God. We say that we will bow down and we will surrender to you. We will surrender as we enter into this season, as we walk through these seasons. We'll surrender to your loving hand, Father, knowing that we are not orphans, but we are blood-bought sons and blood-bought daughters. We have so much confidence in your goodness. I'm going to sing this old song as we conclude today, as we respond. Um, you may know it. Sold him, I think.